You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Even a child makes himself known by his acts, by whether his conduct is pure and upright. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their father's. If one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Penguins. Penguins exhibit strong family bonds, particularly during breeding seasons. They engage in cooperative behaviours with both parents taking turns incubating the eggs and caring for the chicks. Lions. Lions live in prides, which are family units consisting of related females, their offspring, and a few adult males. Lionesses, they work together to hunt, and cubs are cared for collectively. Male lions play a protective role and defend the pride from threats. Dolphins. Dolphins are known for their strong social bonds. They live in pods, which are like family-like groups. Calves stay close to their mothers for several years, and older dolphins often assist in caring and for, caring for and protecting the young. Wolves. Wolves live in packs, which are a structured family unit led by an alpha male and an alpha female. The alpha pair typically lead the pack and play a significant role in protecting the pups. Older siblings also assist in caring for the younger ones. Meerkats. Meerkats live in tight, close-knit groups called mobs. Watch out for the mob of meerkats coming. They share responsibilities for tasks like foraging, babysitting, and keeping watch for predators. Dominant females often give birth but the entire group participates in caring for the young. 
Maybe you've noticed, but there appears to be some shape and form to the family order in the animal kingdom. There's a way of doing family for different species, ways that have been historically consistent, ways that work best for how they are each uniquely wired. I wonder if you've ever thought about there being a shape for the way of family for the way humanity is wired. I wonder which one works best for man and woman. Now, if you're anything like me, you know, or you probably realise, it's probably really hard to answer that question when you take a cursory glance over this world. Am I right? Our society, our cultures, our people, families are so, so different. Culture, styles, situation, they make the search for how are humans supposed to do family almost impossible. You see, culture... Huge variation in culture, isn't there? The African family compared to the Chinese family, dynamics, so different. See, the Chinese family dynamics, there is the Confucian value, which means an emphasis on respect, obedience, and care for one's ancestors. There's a huge importance placed on education and academic achievement. Parents have a significant role in choosing the children's spouse. And there's, in the Chinese family, multi-generational living, common for several generations to live under the same roof with grandparents playing a key role in child rearing. Compare that to an African family, their dynamics. There is the value of Ubuntu, Ubuntu, which means I am because we all are. African cultures, they, they emphasise the interconnectedness of all people and the importance of community. Storytelling and passing down of cultural knowledge is significant in the African family dynamic. And a child's education and development is often a communal effort. Many family members contributing to the care and guidance of the children. What about the structure of the Indian and the Australian family? Maybe there's some consistencies there. Nope. <laughs> Collective, collectivism guides the family in the Indian family. The needs and the goals of the family as a whole are prioritised over an individual person's desire. Elders are honoured and are held in high authority and high esteem, and they have high influence. Can I get an amen from the elders in the room? In, and in many Indian cultures, uh, families uh, family still do arrange marriages. It's still common. The mum and the dad play bachelor and bachelorette with the kids. And the children in Indian families are expected to be obedient and respectful towards their parents, with parents often continuing to live with their kids after they're married. Oh, no. And then the Australian family dynamic. Even in our multicultural melting pot, there still is some underlying underpinning for how things work. Australia, it's all about egalitarianism, isn't it? Advance Australia to be fair. 
fairness and equality for all in society and for all in the family. And freedom. Aussie families celebrate individual freedom and independence for each family member. He does this, she does this. We each have our own thing going on. And for the extended family in Australian culture, older family members, they will not likely remain in the family home, but they'll be outsourced to aged care or government-enabled support services. And Australian family culture, it's all about balance, isn't it? Achieving balance between work and family life. It's very important for many Australian families, these things like holidays and public holidays and leave without pay and half pay and working from home. All for more family time. So if you're looking for a consistent type of family wisdom from culture, pretty tough. Pretty tough. What about style? Maybe we can find some trends in family style. Have you noticed the different family styles? Maybe there's some helpful ones to aspire to. Well, we also notice there there's a lot of consistencies, isn't there? You don't even need to leave the borders of Victoria to find that one. There's family living styles by choice or by circumstance. There's a big household or the small household. There's parents at work with kids in daycare with a, or with a nanny. Or there's parents who work from home with kids that are homeschooled. There's families with no kids, families with no parents, families with no spouse, families with no family at all. And then there's also within the family units, family connection style. The extended family all come together for dinner every week, special times, family time. They all live close in the same suburb, uncles, aunties, grandparents all together. We are the family. And then there's family dynamics that are spread all over the place. One lives on this side of the state, the other one lives in another Victoria, another, another, another state, one bunch live in different countries, haven't seen family for years. There's some families, their family style of connection is that they are together all the time, doing stuff together all the time. They never separate from each other, never of the time. And then there's some families where it's just like, we're never together at all, apart from this, these two super intense eight-day holidays for the year where we go to Fiji and we spend lots of money and we make up for all the lost time. And then there's also parenting style, parenting style. Everyone agrees on this one. The most nervous paragraph of the sermon. There's helicopter parents. There's never say no parents. There's parents that are mates to their kids. There's parents that'll go, children are best developed through their own self-discovery. And then there's parents that'll say, children are actually best developed with strict training and discipline. Then there's parents that'll say, well, I don't care what the kids do, just so long as they don't get in my way and I'll put them behind a screen and that's future me's problem, parenting style. Culture inconsistent, style inconsistent. I'm not making a judgment on any of these things, just a general commentary, looking for wisdom in the world. And what about situation? Take culture, take style, take all of these things. And what do we got? Well, we got everyone trying to figure out a work-life balance, everyone trying to have 
manage financial responsibilities, trying to stay fit, trying to be social and keep up with the neighbours, trying to look after a dog. And then if there's kids involved in whatever the family dynamic, especially if they're young, there's academic expectations, there's social and peer pressure, there's body image and appearance pressure, there's technology and social media pressure, there's career and future planning pressure, and then there's peer relationships and friendship pressure. All these things in our society, culture, style, situation, put that in a jar, shake it up, dip out some wisdom, and you're like, ah, that's just the tip of the iceberg. All these factors and many, many more cause heartache. They cause confusion and unique challenges for everyone. Everyone. So, with all that, how do you do family well? If there's little help or consistency across culture, across family style, across every situation, where do we find wisdom and guidance for how we are to do family? Do we need to email the meerkats and get them to do a TED talk? Well, as a church family, we're currently in a series called Proverbs, seeking to explore the wisdom of God recorded for us in the Bible. And humanity, people, men and women, you and me, the Bible says that we are the crown jewel of God's creation. Do you know that? Made extra special. The Bible says made in God's image. God, as he's creating everything, he creates the moon and the stars, the ocean and the mountains and the tigers and the lions and the dung beetles. And he goes, it's good. It's good. And then he gets to people. And he gets to the end of creating man and woman, Adam and Eve, and he's just like, <sighs> very good. Very good. Or depending on your Bible translation, very nice, high five. That's Trinity interaction. High five with God. Now, the Bible also teaches that there's a kingdom of heaven that God has designed for his people to occupy. A kingdom of heaven, a kingdom that has values for living, a kingdom that has principles for living, a kingdom that has ethics and morals to live by. And that kingdom is meant to be filled with those people that God has made. And the Bible calls that kingdom of those people a family. It's the most common term it gets. And God's family in his kingdom do have principles to live by. So if you want wisdom, if you want guidance, if you want direction, if you want insight in how to live according to your very good God-given human design, we need to go to the Bible. We need to go to God's word. We need to look to God, our creator, and we need to see what he says is good. Do you want wisdom for family, for how you are to engage with your parents, your brothers and sisters, your aunties and uncles, your cousins, your current potential or 
uh, whatever, whatever that third category is of spouse. Read your Bible. Are you reading your Bible? Are you reading through the book of Proverbs? That's the series we're in, book of Proverbs. Don't leave it to me to read it to you. You're allowed to self-feed. Now today, we are going to be looking at a few of the Proverbs in the Bible that speak to family. Uh, We're going to finish with some of those Proverbs. But before we get to those Proverbs, it's really important and I want to walk us first to the Gospel. Before we get to the Proverbs, we need to walk through and to the Gospel. Before we consider what we can be doing, it's really important that today I tell you what Jesus has already done. I recognise that this topic today, family, is incredibly triggering. I know that for some of you, today was a mission to drag yourself to church knowing that we were covering this topic. I know that today already some of you who have just learnt since you got here that family is the theme, you've already considered multiple ways for you just to get away and hide. Why? Because there's a fear that a talk on this topic is going to feel like picking out a scab or putting hand sanitizer on a fresh paper cut. I'm quite aware that this topic of... Oh, I missed... You know, basketball was like my main sport growing up. That thing is bigger than a basketball ring, and I'm right here. It's all right. Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. I'm quite aware that the topic today, family, is incredibly volatile. So as we lean in together, let's help ourselves by remembering a few things that the gospel covers. Four things, to be exact. Okay? Number one, before we get to Proverbs and the wisdom, remember this. Remember all of us. Remember all of us. We are all a complete disaster. Can I get an amen? We are all a complete disaster. Despite despite our polished Sunday and midweek appearance, at best, at best, we are all just stumbling forward. We all have a lot of work to do. Not one of us has made it. I'll lead the charge on that. Despite all appearance in this place, right now, there is these things. There is disappointed parents, those that feel like they've been a failure to their kids. In this place right now, there is disappointed children, those that feel that their parents have failed them. In this place right now, there's people here who long to have kids but can't and they lament. In this place, there are parents here who have had kids and they've lost them. In this place, there are people here who have had kids yet feel bad because they've at times wished that they didn't. In this place, there's stories of divorce. In this place, there's people who feel, I wish I had some meaningful connection with somebody to at least have the story of divorce. And for all of us, there's memories of death in families. 
We are all a work in progress. We all have feelings of regret, loss, longing, and failure. We're all a complete disaster. And that's okay, because I have three more points. We don't stop there by just remembering us, but it's important that we remember us. We also remember, we remember God the Father, don't we? We take a good hard look at ourselves, but we don't stop there. We look up to God the Father. You see, God the Father can both sympathise and empathise with you in your right here, right now pain. He sees and acknowledges that pain. He sees you and he can genuinely say, I understand your pain. God the Father knows what it's like to be the parent of wayward children. He lovingly creates Adam and Eve. He places them in the Garden of Eden, paradise. And he just says like one rule, like not that that one. Everything else, you've got a job, you've got joy, you're both naked, what more could you want? And by chapter three of the book, they've already disobeyed. Every parent is just like, oh, you had one job, literally. You had one job, kids. (laughs) Could I have made the environment any more conducive to like longing for, like, you know, giving you reason to obey? (laughs) See, God the Father also knows what it's like to see his kids hurt and fight with one another. See, the first kids we see in the Bible, one murders the other by chapter four of the book. Cain and Abel, the vegetarian and the meat eater. Vegetarians do have some strength. And God the Father knows what it's like to have to be patient with their kids and to keep bailing them out and to have to still, and to have them tell him, have the kids tell him that they think they know better and I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Thank you very much. He knows that pain. God the Father can both sympathise and empathise with you in your right here, right now pain of family. Remember God the Father. Remember also, number three, God the, uh, God the Son. Remember G- the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, Christ can both sympathise and empathise with your right here, right now pain in regards to family. God the Son knows what it's like to learn obedience via discipline. Hebrews 5, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Did you hear that? Jesus learned obedience. Jesus learned obedience. Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered, through what he suffered. Jesus, God the Son, also knows what it's like to have his own family turn on him. He knows what it's like to have family betray him, mock him, and even murder him. And the Lord Jesus Christ knows what it's like to feel estrangement from his family as well. That even in his death, 
as he dies, Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Lord Jesus Christ can both empathise and sympathise with your right here, right now pain that you have in relation to family. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus and also look to and remember God the Holy Spirit. He can both sympathise and empathise with your right here, right now pain. God the Holy Spirit knows what it's like to sit in the midst of family breakdown and tears. Trying as hard as he can, shouting into the ears of those that would listen, he's saying, I'm here to comfort you. I've been here the whole time and I want to strengthen you and equip you to fight through this season and he knows what it's like to be ignored. And God, the Holy Spirit, he knows what it's like to keep pursuing someone and to have him neglect them. You know, the Holy Ghost, he knows the grief of being ghosted himself. So before we get to what we are to do in relation to wisdom of family, remember that God is not aloof. God is not ignorant to our family pains. He is the one who has endured the most which makes him the one who was able to help us the best. Because God is able to walk with us through it. He's able to comfort us, support us, guide us and guard us. He's also the one who lays down his life and then takes it back up showing his power to resurrect and to redeem and to save any situation, no matter how hopeless it looks or feels. God, Father, Son, and Spirit is always powerfully rescuing and renewing us. So before I invite you to some things to do, let me tell you what Jesus has done. Jesus makes a new way for us that despite all our failings, and all of our shortfalls, he made a way for us to enter into God's kingdom and God's family. He made a way for us to enter into and be a part of God's family. Do you know that? Do you embrace that? Do you want that? Do you know that Jesus embarked on a 33-year sacrificial mission to show us both the glory of what family life with God could be Read your Bible, check out the life of Jesus. I want in on that family. And he also, in his work, through his life, death and resurrection, he got ready some prepaid adoption paperwork for anyone that would love to be a part of his family. Prepaid adoption paperwork for anyone that would love to be a part of his family. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ, we read in Ephesians 2. You are no longer have to be strangers and aliens, 
but can be fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You no longer have to be strange and aliens, but can be fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. God leads us to know so that we would, God leads us in knowing how to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, Paul writes to Timothy, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Calling us a church family, it's not some token nice name that we're just trying to, you know, leverage from culture that has their nice new other little families that they have, you know. This is the tech family over here. Yep, part of the surf club family. You know? Uh-uh. Starts here. That's our language. That's our language, family. That's God's language. This is the goat of family right now what we're doing. Do you know that? So good. Galatians 4 says, God sent forth his son. Born of a woman under the law to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. Adoption. And this is so that we might no longer be slaves of this world, but family together in this world and into the next. Romans 8, to paraphrase that, it says, All who are led by the Spirit of God, all who are led by the Spirit of God are in the family of God. Those in his family, they do not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. That's not what you get in God's family. You receive a spirit of adoption in God's family, a spirit of adoption. They are enabled. We are enabled. If you have received the Lord Jesus Christ, you are enabled and you know deep down in your innermost being, you know God as Abba Father, Father. This new spirit, the Holy Spirit himself, will confirm with your inner being that you are a child of God. Through allegiance to Jesus, people can come to the one Lord, through the one faith, by the one baptism, to the one and only God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So good. The spirit of adoption. Like that is, we don't get that. Very well, very well in the West, do we? But could you imagine being an orphan child stuck in the, the, stuck in the cages of some halfway house? No one there that truly cares about you, that truly loves you. You're just a number on a piece of paper. Imagine the sadness in that place. Imagine the no sense of real meaningful connection. Kids coming and going, people only there and only feeding you because they're paid to. And the story of the Bible is God the Father walks in through that adoption house, walks in through that place, and he looks at the children and he stares at you and he goes, oh, how much? Can they, I want them to be in my family. I want to take them home to my place. You can just imagine the, the workers of the house freaking out at this point. It's like, this is, it's, it's, it's God the Father who's walking through the house. It's like we freaked out yesterday when Elon Musk walked through. This guy owns Elon. 
And like, yeah, yeah, you can take them. Uh, but have you seen their record? Seen their record? You really want that one? Seen the life that they've lived? You know, we've been writing down all their thoughts, actually. We've got this new tech that goes into their brain. We can see all their thoughts. They're not, they're not, they're not particularly a pure child, are they? Because I was like, well, what's it going to cost? I say, well, we need to do a substitute. We need to do a trade. You give us our son and then you can take, you can take them. God does it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish, would not have to stay in that halfway house but receive eternal life with God the Father. Adoption, the spirit of adoption. This is the best news. This is for all people. There's adoption available into God's global, diverse, loving, joy-filled spiritual family, and you need to make no payment. It's a gift of God's love, kindness, and grace to you. The response to God is simply this. Thank you. I genuinely believe that you've taken me in. And I'm so sorry that it costs so much for you to clean me up. But now that I know my new identity, show me how to live. Thank you. And that security of knowing you're in God's family, that unconditional inclusion, unconditional love, boundless mercy, you can't step outside God's grace. He's always there. He's always patient. He's always kind. He gave you his best when you were at your worst. It means that no matter what your culture, what your situation, what your family style, if you're trying to honour God in it and follow God through it, There's forgiveness for when we all stuff it up because we're a complete disaster. Yeah? We have confidence to keep stumbling forward because we know that our dad is always going to catch us. So church, before we get to wisdom for family in what we're to do, don't forget the wisdom in what God has done. For all who receive Jesus, who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God, it says in John 1. Before we consider a wise way to go, see what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are, it says in the Bible. And if you don't know if you really are a child of God, or if you want to be, come and talk to me later. Have a chat to Joe Isolator who read the Bible to us. He'll give you a hand. The best part of my job is to help people fill out the prepaid adoption papers, which are metaphorical. That's the best part of my job. So we've gospel ourselves first. We've said thank you to God. We know God's love and care. We know we can't escape it. Second, let's look to the practice of the wisdom of Proverbs and let's just explore six real quick. 
Open the pages of your Bible. If it's not open already, or have your hand out there, which has the Proverbs nicely lined up for us. We're going to quick fire through some of these ones. I'm going to read the proverb, provide a slightly different interpretation or make it simpler to understand. I'm not going to change it. And I'm going to ask a question. And then I'm going to say over to you. Proverbs 15.5, a fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Can also be understood as a fool A fool despises good counsel, but a wise person takes it to heart. Are you open to receiving advice or guidance from parents or elders, even if it differs from your opinion? Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Basically, point your kids in the right direction and when they're old, it'll be hard for them to get lost. Here's a question for parents, teachers, those that spend time with children. What attitudes and behaviours are you consistently modelling to children? Are they things that align with the values you would want to pass on? Spoken and unspoken. Proverbs 10, 1. A foolish son is a sorrow to his father and a wife's quarrelling is a continual dripping of rain. Family dynamic proverb here. Question, what behaviours or attitudes in your family dynamic are causing unnecessary strife and sorrow? What steps can you take to address them? Proverbs 27. The righteous who walks in his integrity, the righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. That's God's loyal people living honest lives make it much easier for their children. Can you identify moments when your commitment to integrity has directly influenced your children's behaviour and outlook on life? Even if a child makes himself known by his acts, even a child makes himself known by his acts, by whether his conduct is pure and upright, Basically, you can recognise a good person by the way he acts. Question, are you actively encouraging and celebrating the positive behaviours and character character traits in the people around you and in your family? Clean up the rubbish, you know, climate emergency and everything. There we go. Look at that. Integrity. That was a win. That was a lose-lose situation for me. Rubbish goes past. Did you just see the pastor just let rubbish go down the hill? I can't believe this pastor in his church is literally a mistake. Clean it up. Can you believe the pastor just like paused for so long in the middle of the sermon? 
to go and pick up that rubbish. I was listening. Now I'm distracted. Now you're all thinking, can you believe that the pastor is making a comment on his actions and he's gone with the pros and cons of both? That's an insight into his crazy mind. <clears throat> Proverbs 17.6. We won't edit that out. That's fun. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged and the glory of children is their father's. When someone becomes a grandparent, it makes them very happy and proud. When children are good and make their parents proud, it's like special treasure. How can your children, if you have children, bring joy, honour and learn from the older generations in your family? I wonder what God might be teaching you in these words of wisdom. And family hack here, when I say family, don't just go my immediate couple of people around me. Think your church family. Consider yourself a spiritual uncle or auntie, a big brother, big sister, a younger brother or a young sister, an elder. We all have something to contribute to the health and the flourishing of this family because we all have blood-related people in our lives. But the reality is, is some of those continue, some of those relationships don't go on into eternity. But these ones do. Now, there's a lot of proverbs there, a lot of questions, a lot of thoughts, a lot of things that come to mind. Have you noticed the common theme going through all of them? Have you noticed the common thread? Wisdom in your family is not going to happen on its own. There's intentional work involved if you want a family that is flourishing, both at home and in the church. Now, we can all move closer to the coast and expect our new living location with the word lifestyle baked into the house and land package is going to give us the boost our family needs. And the environment can help, but it's not the primary source of power. Parents, physically and spiritually, do you want some tips on how to do family well? It's not about coastal lifestyle, it's looking at God the Father and His lifestyle. Look at God's character and the relationship that he cultivates with his children. Unconditional love and compassion. God's love is often described as unwavering, unconditional. He is the Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. My goal for my life is if I want my kids to go, what's your dad like? I want them to quote that verse. And then I want them to say, I'm so glad that my dad modelled to me the character of God and the way he rose us. And if you are having trouble modelling that, perhaps it's the slow to anger. If you're not growing in that, I would encourage seeking some counselling if you're not improving. Look to God the Father. He teaches and he trains his children. Proverbs 4 emphasizes the importance of a father's instruction and the wisdom imparted to children through loving guidance. You need to teach your kids. If you have kids, you need to lead. You need to model. You need to encourage them. You need to be intentional in your family. It's not just going to happen. 
if you want a family that is flourishing in the wisdom of God. Discipline and guidance. Look to God the Father, we see discipline and guidance. The Bible teaches that God disciplines those he loves, just as a father disciplines his child. Your family, this family, whatever your family is in, whatever responsibilities you have, it needs clear boundaries. And guess what? You also need to enforce them on one another and on yourself. If you don't do that, you're called, uh, there's a fancy word called hypocrite. God is also a God of provision and care. He's a track record for provision and care. We should be providing for one another, for our family around us, for our educational and physical nourishment and spiritual nourishment. Spiritual nourishment. Talk about Jesus with your family. Here, gospel communities around the dinner table have conversations of eternal significance. God is also a protector. He's also a refuge. Psalm 91 speaks of God as a refuge and a fortress providing safety and protection for those who trust in them. Is your family a safe place or is it just full of noise, chaos and argument? God rejoices over his children. Zephaniah 3.17. This is an awesome verse. It says that God sings over his kids. Do you know how to praise one another in your family? Do you know how to call out their gifts? Do you know how to say, I see you doing that thing. That is amazing. I am so proud of you. I love you so much. That's so awesome. I'm so glad I get to be your dad, mum, sister, brother, son, daughter. And God's a God who seeks and restores the lost. God eagerly desires to welcome back those who have strayed. In your family dynamic, in your attitude towards people, is there always an open door to those people that have let you down or, or have you unlovingly shut people out? Look at God the Father and how to do family. And look at God the Son. Look at his obedience and his submission to God the Father. He seeks not to do his own will, but the will of him who sent, sent him. As we follow in the way of Jesus, seeking to pursue the way of God, are the primary goals of your family, even this family, but the context that you find yourself in, are they guided by your master plan or God's plan? And when we do this, and when we do that, and then we'll do this, and then we'll do that, and then, oh, wait, we... The thing that we do that's called church, isn't it? We probably should uh, dip into that every now and then just to, you know, just to season, season the surf coast lifestyle to be a little bit more spiritual. <clears throat> love and affection. Jesus has a love and affection for God the Father and it's evident throughout the Gospels. And this love and affection, this is, provides a cohesive, 
collective celebrated love of the family of God, what makes Jesus so attractive. His joy in God. Is your family's joy, is it in God together? Are you cultivating that together? Or are you cultivating moments of togetherness around a screen? Watching something of no value of all at all. I mean, footy's great. Watch it, love it, embrace it, enjoy it, get everyone around it. But do you bring the same passion and energy to opening the Bible with one another, with a friend from your church family? Do you bring the same passion and enthusiasm to coming to church on Sunday, expectant that you'll get to meet with God and see him at work in the lives of the people around you? This is all challenging stuff, yeah? It's hard. But don't shoot the messenger. We try and do these things and we make them a priority because we have already tasted and seen that the Lord is good and we're only pursuing more, aren't we? We don't do this from guilt or coercion or obligation. Run back to what has been done, remember? We're in the family. This is what we get to do. This is how we go. If entrance, in was, if entrance into the family was so good, imagine what happens as we continue to cultivate the other things that are good. So pursue those things. Ask God for his help in those things. Ask God for forgiveness as you feel like you stumble and trip and fall over as you try those things. And remember that it's a process of learning and growing in those things. None of us have made it but we can all help each other do it. So as we close, if you're a son or a daughter, a dad or a mum, an uncle and auntie, a husband and wife, I wonder what is God inviting you to in his family before all other things? What is the invitation that you've heard today? What is that thing that feels highlighted on your soul and in your mind? Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.